0: Welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, August the 12th, 2022, and wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's beauty and goodness today, my friends. Thank you for being present with me as we break open God's word for this coming weekend uh, on what is the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Hard to believe you know, again, that we are just continuing through this time, gosh, we're, all, we're halfway through August. And, uh, and I mean, more even than saying, where is the summer gone, although that's part of it, the liturgical year as we continue to move along and we experience the life of Jesus, you know, and he sets his face toward Jerusalem, we get closer and closer to that time where we celebrate liturgically his second coming as well. So time is fleeting, I guess is my point. Uh, okay, as as typical, we're going to read the first reading for this coming Sunday and we're going to read the gospel fairly clear uh, the thread that is going to join them. We're going to talk a lot about that and uh, and we're going to talk about what that invites us into as I always say though and I forgot to do this last week, but I invite you, look for a word, look for a phrase, look for an idea that the Spirit is going to give you through this. If that comes through my reflection, well, that's great and and wonderful and praise and thank God. But really, the Word of God is the Word of God. And and that's why I say, listen intently, brothers and sisters, even though you're going to know the stories, even though you'll have heard them maybe a hundred times in terms of the gospel, does something catch you anew? Because, my friends, you and I, we approach the word new as new people this time rather than hearing it the other time. And that's how the Spirit's going to invite us into this conversation. Is there a word? Is there a phrase? Is there an idea that stands out? And that's what I want you to sit with, not only as you listen to this, but for the rest of the day, for the weekend. What is God, through the Holy Spirit, trying to say to you in that word, in that phrase, in that idea, okay? So with that said, my friends, let's break open God's word. First reading is gonna be from Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 38, verses four to six, and then verses eight to 10. And then we will go to Luke's gospel, shorter gospel today than we've had the last couple of weeks, Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 53, all right? If you wanna follow along, you are more than welcome As usual, we do the uh, New American Translation. So those will be the ones that you hear this weekend at Mass. So let's break open God's Word together. My friends, a reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. In those days, the princes said to the king, Jeremiah ought to be put to death. He is demoralizing the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such things to them, he is not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. King Zedekiah answered, He is in your power, for the king could do nothing with them. And so they took Jeremiah and threw him into the cistern of, the, of Prince Malchiah, which was in the quarters of the guard, letting him down with ropes. There was no water in the cistern, only mud, and Jeremiah sank into the mud. Abed-Melech, a court official, went there from the palace and said to him, My lord king, these men have been at fault in all they have done to the prophet Jeremiah, casting him into the cistern. He will die of famine on the spot, for there is no more food in the city. Then the king ordered Ebed-Melech, the Cushite, to take three men along with him and draw the prophet Jeremiah out of the cistern before he should die. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Interestingly enough, now we're not going to read the psalm, but the psalm says, Lord, come to my aid. Amen. Amen. That's what uh, Jeremiah experienced through an outsider, a Cushite, right? And uh, and three unknown people. The Gospel now. Again, Luke 12, 49-53. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing, There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, and two against three. A father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I joke a lot, right? And and talk about how, you know, sometimes we say the gospel of the Lord, which of course means the good news of the Lord. And we hear a reading like this. Boy, it's hard sometimes to find good news within that, isn't there? I mean, what, what good news are we, are we hearing? That uh, if you want to be a prophet, you're going to get thrown in a cistern? And uh, there's no water there, only mud, and you're going to die of, uh, of malnutrition. Or uh, that there is going to be division on the earth. Uh, and uh, even mothers are going to be set against their daughters or daughter-in-laws and fathers against sons. What are we talking about here? No, again, before I dive in, remember, if there was a word, a phrase, an idea cling to that. don't don't let that go. So my friends, Jesus takes up the prophetic mantle today. that's really what he's doing. He's playing the role of prophet. Now remember you and I when we were baptized into Christ uh, in, our, in the waters of our baptism, again that idea that we are immersed, we come up this new people, we are baptized priest, prophet and king. One of the roles that we are called as followers of Jesus is to place that mantle on our head as well, that we too must play the prophet. Now, get rid of that idea. Now, you may not have it, so, so forgive. I don't mean to, to um, you know, just assume this. But that idea of prophet uh, being soothsayer, being uh, you know fortune teller, Get rid of that idea, because that is not essentially what prophet is. In fact, if indeed that is what prophets do, it is at a very minor level and a fringe level. A prophet, my friends, is a truth teller. A prophet is the little child on the side of the parade route that looks up at the king and says, the emperor has no clothes. And all of a nation gasps because they know the truth and have simply been living within an illusion. Jeremiah, my friends, was a prophet in the classic sense. And and he was telling the truth. And these people who came to the king, these princes whom the king knew he couldn't do anything with them, they said listen he's got to go why because he's he's not interested in the welfare of our people you know he's upsetting people we got to put him in the cistern we got to be done with him right and in so doing the king this uh king zedekiah uh is milk toast right and says okay okay do it and then the next people, this Cushite, you know, comes, Ebed-Melech, and says, hey, he's a good man. He's going to die down there. What are you doing? And the king says, okay, take three people and, and bring them up. I mean, we're really seeing a tale of two different types of people, right? On the one hand of the, of the uh, scale are, are Jeremiah and Jesus, who, who are not going to mix their words who are going to speak the truth, and on the other hand, is King Zedekiah, who will go the way of whoever is in front of him. You're a prince, and you wanna you wanna throw the prophet into the cistern. All right, be my guest. You're a Cushite, and want to come by with three others and and get him out. Okay, go ahead and go do it. You know who knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Do you know people like that? Are there days you and I are like that? I don't know about you. I know there are days that I look in that reflection and, and I see too much of myself. And um, my friends, we don't serve anyone. We certainly don't serve uh, the kingdom of God when we when we live in that manner. You know, the gospel, it it really is good news, not because it's easy news. Listen, the gospel is never meant to be easy news. But it is meant to be the news that will free us, right? And what does Jesus say? The truth will set us free. But don't expect a welcome wagon is what he's saying. He says it in much better ways than I just did. Don't expect people to, to clap you on the back and be happy with you when you and I bring the truth to a situation. More often than not, perhaps we can expect cisterns or expect isolation. Jesus himself says, now this is the Prince of Peace, my friends, which indeed he is, by the way, but he's not looking for a false peace. He's not looking for a a, a piece of illusion. This is a peace that he says, listen, listen, if you're going to live peace, here's what it looks like. I have come to set fire on the earth and how I wish it were already blazing. Why? Because it is a place where people have to choose sides. They have to look at it and say, which place do I go? Which camp in in which do I stand? Which side of the fence am I on? Right there are other gospel passages. Jesus says, listen, Either be hot or cold, right? Because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth that we must be people of integrity. Zedekiah had no integrity. He followed where the wind would, would blow. There's no integrity there, even though a good man is saved through him. He did it merely, I suspect. No, I don't know. Zedekiah didn't tell me this. But I suspect he did it because the, those people got the last word. Um, brothers and sisters, we are called to be women and men, to be people of integrity. And to be people of integrity, we must be rooted in that which integrates, right? Which unites. And what is that which unites? The one who ultimately is un- unity itself. The one who is the one around which everything and everyone and all of life revolves and holds in, uh, in place, right? Brothers and sisters, I'll say it this way. Forgive the, the colloquialism or just the foolishness of my words. And, and And I hope you go beyond to what they're saying. Jesus was no wimp, right? Jesus was no wimp. Jesus was not, you know oh, look at him just, you know, playing with the kids and hugging people. No, he did. He did. Um, But you know what was revolutionary about that? Children had no voice and they were supposed to be not even seen and heard, but off to the side. But instead, Jesus recognized their dignity and their worth and their goodness. That's a revolutionary act when when we recognize the dignity and worth and goodness of people who are supposed to be kept off to the side and and not not viewed right jesus was no wimp and and look at those people whom we most admire right mother teresa hey man describe her in with many many words but wimp was never one i i, I bet you could ask a hundred people nobody would say that She was a woman of great integrity, great strength. And because of that strength, did incredible things in this world. Uh, Oscar Romero was no wimp. Hmm? Stand up to a government and speak truth to them. That's what he did. That's what he did. And he earned that reward, right? Which was a bullet. Right, as he was saying mass. Joan of Arc. Was she a wimp? No way. No way. You can look in history and find few people with her strength um, who knew who she was, who knew exactly who she was. And and for this moment, I was born and and gravitated and grabbed onto that. Brothers and sisters, do we know who we are? And, And just as importantly, Do we know whose we are? Both go together. Again, integrated, because it gives us integrity. When we divide who we think we are from the one in whose grasp we are held, that's when division comes. And division only comes from one place. Do we know whose we are and who we are? Because they both gravitate from the same place. My brothers, the saints before us, were no wimps. Now you may think, oh, but Francis, look at Francis, you know, he, uh, just, you know, hugged everything and, and went out and cried with Claire a lot. By the way, I'm doing this on the 11th, which is Claire's feast day. So blessed Claire or, or, uh, you know, Saint Claire pray for us. Um, no, have you stood up to your parents or to whatever power that is, is attempting to hold you? And, uh, and, uh, divested yourself of everything as he took every bit of clothing off and said, I give it back to you to free himself so he could go be who God was calling him to be and walked out into someplace new, not knowing what that meant to rebuild my church. But he did it. Brothers and sisters, let me be clear. And, and you already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If anyone comes up to you and says, Uh, you are Catholic, and so therefore you must be Republican. Or they come up to you, conversely, and say you are Catholic, and therefore must be Democrat. Brothers and sisters, our only retort is, I am Catholic, therefore I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Because these other lenses through which the world wants us to view the world and live in and through their means are far too small. They are far too insufficient. Jesus came to bring about the kingdom of God, to establish that on earth. Don't believe me. Read the Gospels. It's his first words in uh, in Mark the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is upon you. It is right here. Don't wait for it upon our death. It is now. And what are we doing about that? Or more importantly, go to Luke, right? One of the the passages I, I often will go to, but Luke chapter four, the first words of Jesus when he comes out of the desert in his ministry. And he uses Isaiah that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me and you, by the way. Uh, He has anointed us as followers of his. Not to be Republican or Democrat and keep whatever company line, or or, by the way, add any other organization to that, because they're going to be sufficiently as small. The lens through which we must look is is a wider lens which is the lens of God and this is what that looks like we have been anointed why to bring glad tidings to the poor to proclaim liberty to captives sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free a year acceptable to the Lord proclaim that and when you do my friends know that you will be making enemies because that's what prophets do why because i suspect there are people who are, are being kept poor because it benefits other people who are not. And there are people who are kept at, captive because it benefits other people who oppress. And there are people who are, are kept blind because if they were to gain sight, uh, then, then things may change over here, et cetera, et cetera. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came not to side with the Romans. He didn't do that. He didn't side with the zealots either in kicking out the Rome. Those are far too small. He came to live the kingdom of God, to proclaim it in our midst. And what did that look like? It looked like what I just told you in Luke. And then he went out and lived it. With those who are on the fringes of society, who have no voice, you and I are called to be that voice for them, to be that Muscle for them, not milk toast, and 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 know when we do this, you're gonna get, you're gonna get uh, um, people who, as I said, don't slap you on the back, but you're going to meet opposition, and so will I. Now, opposition for opposition's sake is not the gospel. We can simply be contrarian out there and and annoy people. That's not the gospel either. Don't hide behind that. Brothers and sisters, first and foremost, we must listen, open ourselves, just um, meditate upon, chew upon the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and ultimately, as best we can, take on the heart of God. And out of that place, out of that heart, out of those eyes, out of that lens, out of that mind, we move forward and, and speak the truth and, and love that kingdom of God into reality because it's not going to be the way of the world. And um, we're going to have people that want to throw us in places that we don't want to be. And it will create tension and division, not because we want it, because that's what the truth does. I want to end with this reading. I ended last week with Joan Chittister, and I want to end this week with Alice Camille. Uh, Alice is another wonderful writer. This is, these are her words. I wish they were mine. They're hers. Uh, it's out of a book called God's Word is Alive, and here's what it says. I'm going to read a paragraph, but it's worth reading, all right? But this, I think, is what Jesus is saying. Truth is hard on families on communities, and on nations. When a family stops pretending that mom's drinking is not really a problem, there's going to be trouble. When a community acknowledges that it has racial inequalities in its midst, expect a blow up. When a nation admits that its economy is based on the oppression of certain groups, no one is going to be comfortable for a long time. Truth leads to division before a lasting peace can be achieved. What passes for peace before that, of course, is only the sound of a chorus of denial. Isn't that good? Let me end with this. My first master's is a master's in counseling, and I don't pretend uh, to be a counselor or a therapist. I know enough to get myself in trouble. But I remember this from a class that I took on systems theory. And, and I thought it was brilliant, and, and it speaks the truth. When a, a system, and that can be a family, it can be a relationship, it can be a community, it can be a, a country, it can be a church, whatever that is. When a system is dysfunctional, and someone names the dysfunction, someone steps outside of it and says, This is a problem with this system, be it this relationship, be it this community, whatever it is. The community or that relationship, that entity that is being named has two choices and only two choices. They can say, you know what? That's true. This is a problem. And it can do the hard work of uh, going about recreating itself itself and um, renewing itself and becoming new. Or it can castigate and mock and ultimately kill the person who names the truth. So that person has one of two choices. They can either come back into the community and be shamed and silenced so so the entity or the community or the relationship stays the same. Or they are thrown outside the community and ostracized uh, so the community stays the same. Brothers and sisters, when we name a truth, systems theory tells us one of two things. That the entity that we are naming the truth about, and and again, this is not our ego. This is not our agenda. It's got to be God's. But the entity with which we name the truth about, they're either going to accept it and do the hard work of change, or they will shame us, or ostracize us. That's what we're talking about here, because that's the way of the world. We'd like to believe that relationships or communities or entities will accept the truth and do the hard work. And on occasion, that happens. Uh, I am grateful to use one example of uh, what the church at least is attempting, you know, in fits and starts, by the way, of of leaving the sexual abuse crisis and changing its ways to become more open um, but it's a long 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 journey and when we are not even close to the end of that yet because the depth of the change that needs to happen um, but it can try that hard work or it can ignore it and we can sometimes be caught in the middle of what that means and get run over by the tracks of the parade route because people don't want to hear that the emperor has no clothes let's pray my friends so we begin in the name of the father son and holy spirit we continue through the luminous mysteries the third luminous mystery the proclamation of the gospel our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, those of you who stayed with me till the end, bless you. This was a long one. I'll try to make the next one shorter. Oh, the Spirit of God got into me. Bless you. Have the best of weeks, and I'll see you next Friday.